Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Beautiful prayer that begins in verse 9. Good prayer for you to pray. I pray this prayer usually anywhere from three times to six times a week. I pray this prayer over myself. You ought to pray it over yourself. It's a really good one in in seeking the will of God for your life. It says, for this cause we also, verse 9, Colossians 1, for this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now notice those three things. Filled with the knowledge of His will, but then there's two ways in which you're filled with the knowledge of His will, and that is in wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, you must understand, this is a principle that that, that if you ever get a hold of this principle, it will greatly change your life. You cannot serve God the way you want to. You can only serve God the way He wants you to. Now let me say that again, because a lot of times people, they kind of struggle with that, but you cannot serve, you can't say, well, Lord, here is how I've chosen to serve you. Will you bless that? Well, He can't do that, because He's given us in His Word His desires for the way we should serve Him. Number one, we should serve Him in love. That our Christian walk should be a love walk. Uh, number one, we should love God. Everybody say, love God. Number two, we should love ourselves. Uh, number three, we should love one another. Number four, we should love the world. And that is the correct order according to the Word of God. You love God. You love yourself. Because what does the Bible say? Love your brother as you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're not going to love your brother. So I really don't like myself. I have, a, I have a poor self-image. Well, start looking at yourself in the mirror of the Word of God instead of the mirror of your past mistakes. Instead of the mirror of what you've gone through in life, look at yourself in the mirror of the Word of God and see what God says about you instead of what everybody else says about you. Because if you live by what everybody else says about you, all you're going to ever be is discouraged. But if you live by what God says about you, then you'll find out you're a new creature You'll find out that you're more than a conqueror. You'll find out that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You'll find out that you're the healed of God. You're the blessed of God. You're the favored of God. You're the child of God. Amen. And those things will help remove, (coughs) excuse me, any kind of poor self-image. So we must do what? We must find the knowledge of His will. I mean, we must walk or we must have a lifestyle in which we serve God the way He desires us to. We do it through the love. We do it. By coming to church, God gave us church. Church was not man's idea. Church was God's idea. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, Upon the revelation of who I am in you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. We should be givers in three areas. You say, what do you mean three areas? We should give our time. Everybody say our time. We should give our efforts, which is our talents and our abilities, and we should give our money. We should be givers. Amen. So there is a standard. We should serve God in holiness. Woo. You say, what do you mean? You mean, you mean you, like, like, like those old Pentecostals? That didn't? No, no, no. We should just live segregated and separated from the world. There should be places you do not go. There should be things you do not put in your ears. 
There should be things you do not put in front of your eyes. There should be, uh, uh, there should be uh, uh, things you do not put in your physical body. Amen. I'll say this because I don't, I don't see any of them here tonight. But there's about, oh, I don't know, six to eight people that, 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 that come and they really struggle with coming because of my statements that I've made over the years about how you can't, you can't listen to rock and roll and serve God. I'm about to eat some up, man, which only proves my point. <laughs> I said, what only proves my point? I mean, if you came up to me and said, hey, Rusty, you can't duck hunt and serve God. I'd just laugh. Wouldn't bother me a bit. Amen? You came up to me and said, you can't, you can't go catch no speckled trout, no redfish, no flounders and serve God. I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even faze me. I'd just laugh. You can't go surfing with a beautiful spring swell or nice storm. You can't go. I wouldn't phase me. I wouldn't quit, quit the ministry. I quit the ministry. Why did I quit the ministry? Because somebody told me I couldn't go duck hunting, so I quit the ministry. No, duck hunting ain't that powerful, honey. I said duck hunting ain't that powerful. Surfing ain't that powerful. Fishing ain't that powerful. And you shouldn't let rock and roll be that powerful. Anyway, that proves my point. You just you got to serve God the way He says. We should live holy. Amen. Righteous. We should be concerned about the world, which means every one of us should be soul winners. The world needs to know Jesus. Not only should our words preach the gospel, but our lives should preach the gospel. You should be able to look at your life and make a judgment. Look in the mirror and ask yourself this question. Does the world want what I have? Could they see and examine my life and say, I want that right there. That's what I want right there. If not, then change. Allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to change you to the point where the world desires what you have. Amen. Most people don't serve God because they know Christians. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's just be honest. They know somebody that's a Christian. They think, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to. I know that I work with a Christian, and they're the most miserable people that I ever met. And that's because they've never met you. If they'd ever met you, they'd want to be a Christian. Amen. That's why you've got to live right. So that we be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual understanding. Now notice this, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now this is a point that I've not preached on. I'm going to preach on this a little more as we get into the summer. Anything in your life you want to grow, financially, you want your finances to grow. If you're in a business and you want your business to grow, if you're, a, uh, if you're part of the ministry here at Island Church and you want that part of the ministry you're involved in to grow, if you want, if you want uh, uh, your marriage to grow, you have to grow first. If you will grow spiritually, everything around you will be pulled up by the magnetic draw of your spirit man growing up into God. If you sit around not growing, just hoping somehow God will intervene in the problems of your life, you'll soon find out that won't happen. Because before you ever go up, God wants you to grow up. Now, He wants you to do what? He wants you to be uh, uh, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, be fruitful in every good work, and increase in the what? Knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God is growing up into the things of God. Did you know you can outgrow most of your problems? 
You can outgrow medically. You can outgrow chronic disease, arthritis and, and diabetes. Did you know you can outgrow that? You can grow to a place spiritually and where that doesn't affect you. You can outgrow cancer. You can outgrow debt. You can outgrow financial problems. You can outgrow problems in your marriage. You can outgrow inadequacies in your personality. You can just outgrow them where they don't even affect you any longer. You can outgrow temptations, things that the enemy could tempt you with five years ago. He should not be able to tempt you with today. Now it says this in verse 11, strengthen, everybody say strengthened, with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Now here's the scriptures I wanted to get to, verse 12, 13, and 14. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now going backwards, verse 14, 13 up to 12, look at it like this. Number one, it says in whom, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. What begins you on this journey of faith is the reality in your own heart and spirit that you are acceptable to God because of the removing of the sin nature and the, re- and the eradication of the trespasses which you have performed. Now let me say that again. That's a mouthful, so let me help you with that. What starts you on this life journey, I like to call it the glory walk. You say, why, why do you call it the glory? Because we go from faith to faith, glory to glory. David called it a path of righteousness for his namesake. Amen. Uh, the Bible says that the Word, the Word of God, is a, a lamp unto your feet, and a light unto your path. What is that path? That's the walk that God has called you to walk. Are you with me? Now, you can begin that with the understanding, with the knowledge in your spirit, and renewing your mind with the reality of it, that you are now acceptable 100%, without exception, you are are acceptable to God through His redemptive work and the shedding of His blood. His blood did not cover over the sin that you have committed. His blood eradicated it, wiped it out, and erased it. And His work upon the cross removed the nature of the sin, or the sin nature inherent in Adam's race, or the human family. It removed it from you to the point that you should never have any guilt, any condemnation, any kind of drawing back, from receiving anything from God or accessing God through prayer or communion or fellowship or praise or worship or any other way you praise or worship God. Now let me say something. and It'll be hard to make this one statement and then finish preaching here in about 10 minutes, but I'll do it anyway. As long as you have a sin nature consciousness in you, you say, what do you mean by a sin nature consciousness? Always aware of your mistakes, especially your past mistakes, present behavior you're involved in. As long as you maintain a sin nature consciousness, you will remain under the power of guilt and condemnation. And as long as you remain under the power of guilt and condemnation, you will never feel worthy to receive God's best. God wants you to have His best. Let me say that again. God wants you to have His best. He showed us that when He gave His Son, Jesus. 
He says, this is my best, and he proved it. So you've got to allow the blood of Jesus and the redemptive work of the Heavenly Father through his Son, Jesus. How do you do that, Pastor? It says in Colossians, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. What releases the power of God to change your mindset of that which you try to dwell on of your past mistakes, what changes that is your ability to see it in the Word of God, understand it, believe it in your heart, and speak it with your mouth. You say, what do you mean speak it with your mouth? You ought to have a constant confession of who you are in Christ. Confession has so little to do with confessing sin and so much to do with establishing the reality of who you are in Christ that the church got it upside down. There's a whole religion today that everything that has to do with confession only has anything to do with sin. You come and tell somebody what sin you... I'd rather go have... I'd rather put a confession booth in the new church say, we've got a confessional here. If you'd like to go into the confession booth, we'll have a minister in there and they don't want to hear nothing about your sin. They just want to hear who you are in Christ. So you can go sit in that confession booth for about 10 minutes and tell them, you know, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things are new for me. He that knew no sin was made sin for me, and because of that, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I was buried with him in baptism, planted in the likeness of his death. Now I rise and walk in newness of life. I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh. I mean, you can just give your con- confession. Here's my confession. Because whatever you confess, you become. And if you're constantly confessing sin and the sin nature, what do you become? Sin and sin nature. That's why you repeat it so much. Creates weakness. But then now notice the next scripture, verse 13. Verse 13 says, who? That who being God. Everybody say God. God hath delivered us from the power of darkness. What is darkness? Anything that is unique to the human experience that came into humanity through the fall of Adam and his sin. Amen. Sin is darkness. Rebellion is darkness. Anarchy is darkness. Poverty is darkness. Sickness, disease is darkness. Amen. Oppression and depression is darkness. Addiction is darkness. These things are darkness. Now notice the phrase though. Who what? Hath. That's past tense. It means he's not going to do it. He's already done it. When you realize he's already done it, then you can appropriate it by faith. Begin to thank him every day. Father, I thank you. You've delivered me from the power of darkness. I've been delivered from sin. I've been delivered from sickness. I've been delivered from poverty and lack. I've been delivered from uh, depression and oppression and addiction. I've been delivered from all of that. I've been delivered from drugs. I've been delivered from alcohol. I've been delivered from perverse lifestyles. I'm delivered from that. I no longer live in darkness. Amen. Now, in order to deliver somebody, you have to come where they presently are. It's necessary. I like to say it like this. Deliverance requires visitation. If you were on your way out of town, I know some of you live on the mainland, so maybe you were going home, or some of you that live on the island were going uh, uh, up to the mainland, up to the new, uh, uh, what is it, Bucky's? <laughs> Everybody say Bucky's. So you're going up there to hang out. And so, you know, you get up on top of the causeway and you have a flat tire. 
So you pull over on the side, and, and you think, well, I'll call Pastor Rusty and see if he'll come help me fix my flat tire. So you call me up, and I answer the phone, and you say, Pastor, I've, I'm up on the causeway. Could, uh, could you bring me a, I need a, I need a lug wrench uh, to change my flat tire. Would you come to where I'm at? And, and I say, well, no, I'm not going to come to where I'm at, but I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> to deliver you from the flat tire will require visitation. Deliverance requires visitation. God came and visited the earth. Oh, I'm glad you're so happy. God came and visited the earth. He came and got into the womb of a virgin. He lived 33 and a half sinless years. He died on the cross and he rose again. He hath delivered. He came to the planet to deliver us from the power of darkness. I better be careful. I know it's Wednesday night. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? And, what is and? Where's my English students? Conjunction. Am I right? Which do what? Connects two thoughts. He's delivered us, but he's also translated us. Now, to translate means to bring you to where one is. Deliverance requires visitation. Translation requires a journey. He said, what do you mean a journey? To be translated, the one that translates brings you to where you are. Everybody say, beam me up. Jesus. <laughs> you say, what do you mean by that? Literally, through redemption, God brought you up, beamed you up to where Jesus is. You say, where is Jesus? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so are you. He is the favored only Son of God. And so are you. You're not the 3,456,000th born again child, you know, the uh, uh, way down in the 2,000. No, no. You're as much favored as the favored son. You are in Christ. Each and every one of us are. We have the rights of the firstborn. Oh, I don't want to get off into all this tonight. Is we have all the rights of the firstborn. We are in Christ. He brought us up. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us about how God, He took us and Jesus literally. Let's read it. Let's go there real quick. The Lord just said it's just right there a couple of pages over. Look at this in Ephesians 2. I want to get it right so you'll get it. Then we'll close. Is this helping anybody? Oh, this is what's called the gospel, the good news. Look at verse 4 of Ephesians 2. Listen to this. It says, but God, verse 4, who is rich in His mercy... For his great love were any love. Sound like God so loved the world, doesn't it? Even when we were dead in sins. Let's read it like this. Even when we were dead in darkness. There's another hath. Hath quickened us together with Christ. Past tense. Amen. Prepositional phrase. Connecting who? Us on one end. Together with, who's on the other end? Mm -mm -mm. By grace you are saved. Verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is your spiritual position. This is what you have been translated into. This is a legal reality of your redemption. Here's the problem. People agree that this is in the Bible, 
but they do not agree on any experiential side to this. Where if there's no experiential side to this, what good is it? But when you begin to realize when he rose from the dead, that was your resurrection. When he seated, when he was seated at the right hand of the Father, that was your seating at the place of favor and authority. Understanding that his position is your position today. You don't come out of your position and try to fight the devil down on his level. No, you stay up on your position, far above, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. That's your position. That's where you are spiritually. And when you begin to see yourself spiritually, believe you're where you are spiritually, confess where you are spiritually, then you begin to experience it. Now notice that again. God, who is rich in His mercy, for His great love wherein He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Hath raised us up together, made us sit together. And look at all those us together. Us together. Us together. Us, pronoun. Together with. The, the, the prepositional phrase. Christ, the noun. Which you can take the pronoun out and put what? Your name there. He hath raised up rusty together with. Boy, that'll remove all your poor self-image right there. When somebody comes to you and says, well, who are you? So, well, let me tell you who I am. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm risen with him and seated in heavenly places. I'm the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ because he that knew no sin was made sin on my behalf. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that... You start telling people, they look at you like you're crazy. But if that's who you be, when you see who you be, that's what will change what you do. You can't change what you do through human willpower. You need some God power. And when you begin to confess and believe and confess and believe and confess and speak and confess and believe and meditate on these realities, then you will begin to see that everything that God accomplished in Christ is what He wants to accomplish in you through faith. What God has wrought in Christ, He desires to wrought in every man and every woman. That's why faith brings what? After the new birth, faith brings change. Amen? we got one minute. Let's go right back to Colossians. Let me finish this. See how powerful these letters are? Ooh, these letters are powerful. They're full of the power of God. Now, verse 12, let's end with verse 12. Giving thanks, everybody say, giving thanks. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath, there it is again, had, us, had made us meet, that word is able, hath made us able to be partakers, everybody say partakers, of the inheritance. What inheritance? That inheritance secured by the Lord Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 says that he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Speaking of all the angels and all of the demonic realm. So you must understand that he gained an inheritance through his death, burial, and resurrection that you got in on. But you've got to see this one word. We are supposed to be what? Partakers. That means your body is healed. When you go to the doctor, he says, I can't find it no more. That means the money, the checks come in the mail, the business gets prospered, you get the raises, you pay your bills off, you get out of debt. That means the depression leaves, the addictions go. Come on, church. What are we, if we're not partaking in it, what good is it? 
God wants you to be a partaker. It says in 1 Peter that we be a what? Partaker of the divine nature through the precious promises of God. That's why this word is so important. That's why we put so much emphasis on the word. The word, the word, the word, the word. The word will bring salvation. The word will heal your body. The word will deliver your soul. The word will renew your mind. The word, the word will find will bless you financially. The word will renew you. The word, the word, the word. The more you can get of the word, the more you have of God and when you see Jesus in the rapture because every one of us will be involved in the rapture we'll either be coming down or going up you say what do I mean we'll either be coming out of heaven with him to meet all of our loved ones or we'll be going up to him into the clouds but when you see him you're going to see this being it's described in Revelations and I can describe everything that it says about him but he's going to have this beautiful golden sash and you know what's going to say on it the Word of God. Because He is the Word, was the Word, and He will always be the Word. I like what Mama Ward said years ago. She said, you have no greater relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, than you have with this book right here. The greater your relationship with this book right here. Old friend of ours, Rudy Vitoshnik, said, you got one of two things. You've got a tore up Bible or a tore up life. Choose one. I choose a tore up Bible. Amen. Lift your hands and thank God for his goodness tonight. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411. 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.